This is EJ Lawless with the HR Tech Go-To-Market podcast, the best and only podcast focused on how future of work and HR tech companies bring their companies to market. Today, I'm here with the founder of WiseHire, Sid Upadai. I hope I got that right. I feel like I was a little bit better the first three times I practiced. But uh, Sid, thanks for joining us today. I would love to hear what you're working on at WiseHire. How are things going? Love it. Hey, EJ, thank you so much, man. Always a pleasure to catch up. Yeah, I'm one of the co-founders at WiseHire. We are on an incredible journey building the world's most personalized recruiting experience focused principally on small businesses. Great. Okay. That's interesting. So what does the personalized recruiting experience look like? What, What does that encapsulate? I So we, we talk a lot about personalization in the business where if you think about the journey of a small business, they're wearing so many hats, right? It's such a common trope. You know, you're wearing many, many hats. And the customers that we work with, they got into small business because of a passion. They're entrepreneurs themselves, you know, running payroll, making hires. That is not what excites them. And our customers look to us to help solve that problem. And where we've arrived through these many, many years of building is a product that speaks the language of the customer. So we actually have a whole go-to-market and product strategy that focuses on core verticals down to like the industry, the subsector. And we really aim to ask the customers what they know about the next person that they're really looking for, and then fill in all the blanks from there. So that's uh, one way to think about it in the abstract. A better example that's more concrete is, you know, our customers, for example, our biggest vertical is real estate. They'll come to us never having made a hire. It's their first time. They're, they're apprehensive. They don't know how much to pay. They don't know what the right way to write a job description is. We'll pause. We'll take them back to the basics. What is the job to be done? Who are you looking for? And our product and service from there will fill in the blanks. We'll help them write that job ad, show them the right way to screen specifically for their, their industry, the right way to interview all the way to the hire. Okay. Okay. So you are effectively experts and hiring within these verticals. Yes. And it's, it almost sounds like a, a concierge, make it easy, make it less scary for me to get the hire I need to then start growing my small business. That is the best way to frame it. You know, Our aspiration is to take that high touch experience that the staffing firms and recruiting firms that the Fortune 500 companies can afford, but really democratize it and bring it down to Main Street and do it not in the typical way of the staffing firm, but really hand in hand with the customer. You know, our customers often start with that first hire. We're upskilling them throughout this journey where at the end of it, they have a, a sense of how to do interviewing in a, a non-bias inducing way. They know how to compensate accordingly. And it's it's just so much fun to be almost their trusted advisor along the way. Okay. So you're you're helping them hire and you're teaching them some of these best practices at the same time. So you're adding value in the short term and you're adding value in the long term. Is that, is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. 100%. <laughs> now, you know, we've, one of your other co-founders, Nick worked at Indeed. Nick's on the engineering side. Curious, what does the product look like? It sounds like there's a, a core service component to this. What does the software product look like and how does that fit into this? Yeah. So I, I think the best way to kind of frame this is that the product and the service, the service through our coaches is all really deeply coupled together. The experience after you sign up for WiseHire is exactly back to that way I framed it, where we ask you the four questions that you know the answer to. Who's the role you're hiring for? Where are they going to work? How much do you think you're going to pay? And from there, we start this journey through this very industry-specific 
job posting experience and applicant tracking system where we'll appraise you of things like, hey, you know, the compensation in Austin is actually below what you were thinking. If you increase it by this, you're actually more likely to be successful. And should at any point through the software's experience, whether you're not getting enough candidates or whatever the case, our coaches are there then to help you proactively get the results that we believe that you can achieve in this market. And we both know it's a very tough market out there. Yeah, super tough. So the coaches, are they employees of WiseHire? Are they independent contractors? Yes. No, they're, they're deeply empathetic people that aren't recruiting experts. But using our, our core software that's very customized for them are able to actually service hundreds of customers. So again, if you go back to that analogy of that ideal experience that the Fortune 500 can afford, you know, the, an average staffing firm might, might service eight customers for one recruiter. At WiseHire, with the coach, the software, the personalization, and the employer, that group can actually surface, you know, 150 plus customers with one coach. It's it's an incredibly different level of scale. Okay. So so you're getting a huge amount of automation and sort of time savings out of the yes. software that's being yes. built. And that's really driven by the deep verticalization, right? You know, mm. we we have looked at these particular jobs that we're looking to fill dozens if or hundreds, if not thousands of times at this point. And so we have a good sense of what you know, the outcome should be. Where in the funnel is someone getting stuck? Why are there not enough candidates passing from this interview to that? Are there enough candidates or whatever the case? Okay. What are the verticals that you serve? Yeah. So as I mentioned, we started out in real estate of all industries. And actually right at the height of the pandemic, the early months, we started to expand into many more verticals. So today we're in mortgage, hospitality, insurance, legal, dental, home services. And all of this really is our company looking at the market, looking at where we can help employers that have great jobs or are having are struggling to fill the roles? There's often a soft skill element to them, and uh, it's just it's a lot of fun just uh, having this deeply integrated experience. How did you come to real estate as an initial sort of entry point? <laughs> this is a fun story. So uh, it really goes back to the founding of the company, where you know we actually started with a very narrow focus. It was actually personality assessments. One of the key elements of our product today is we screen for soft skills. It turned out that the same time that we were building our personality assessments technology, there was a uh, real estate brokerage in Austin, Keller Williams, that was advocating very intensely that include this personality assessment in your recruiting process. You could literally go to Indeed back in the day, like this is 2012, and Google for this personality assessment, and you just see real estate job, real estate job, real estate job, one after the other. So here we were, we had built a, a great software to screen candidates for soft skills. And then we started to work with these customers and realized, wow, there's just so much more that these customers needed. And thus, we built out our applicant tracking system. Thus, we built out our, our coaching program. But uh, it really was just this perfect uh, you know, <laughs> opportunity where there's a uh, structural change happening in an, in, in, in an industry and our software was just like, you know, exactly what was needed for that point in time. And we just kept asking why and what did they need and going deeper and deeper. Got it. Okay. So that was a, a fast iteration cycle, deep <laughs> customer empathy is, is yes. basically what I'm hearing. Okay. I, I think in our company, even today, we continue to ask why and to mm. go deep, right? Because that is, I think, the core of this, you know, personalization uh, technology where, you know, 
going from the screening, going to the recruiting, going into you know the post-hire experience, it is very radically different from industry to industry. And, and we're still surprised with what we learn here all the time. Do you feel like the focus from hard skills to the importance of soft skills has shifted in the past couple of years so that people yes. are more focused? Okay. Yeah, 100%. I, I think it's it's varying a lot within certain industries. And I think it actually comes down a lot to a broader trend of specialization. So if you think back to like this real estate example, what was happening in real estate at that time, Gary Keller had written a book. He was advocating for realtors who were at that point in time doing the many facets of the job to instead begin forming their own businesses and, and seek specialization, whether it's someone focused on the sales side, someone focused on the admin side. And inherently, the idea that these organizations found is like, wow, you know, there is a, a certain you know, behavior style. There's a certain persuasion to a certain type of task, which we can find. And uh, soft skills are so deeply important for all service jobs in, you know, within our economies. And you know, companies are just not now, but have been waking up to this for, for many, many years. Okay. Yeah, that, that's great. That just kind of puts a diff- few different questions in my mind. So in some sense, you're not a marketplace, but you do have two sides that you're working on. So you obviously have to have the employers who are hiring, and then you have to have the talent side. And it sounds like you really honed in on the talent side. Be curious, what are some of the things that you feel comfortable sharing that you've learned about attracting this talent? What do you all sort of understand better than anyone else that makes you best in class at, at these areas? So I, I think if you think about this dichotomy of Fortune 500s that are always recruiting and know how to you know, attract and retain talent, and then on the opposite side, you, you see this game of chance that small businesses are playing, it really comes down to how do we first put the best foot forward? You know, I was talking a little bit about our software where we guide someone through an experience of posting a great ad, and that really comes down to first helping them understand what is going to attract core talent. Right. If you've if you've never done this job, you may not describe it as well on a job ad. You know, there's other like important structural things. For example, we at Wisehire have always, going back to our founding, required compensation to be in job ads because that's one of the number one things that you know active mm, job seekers are looking for. <laughs> and so a lot Absolutely. of these things are like very very like you know common. But you know, it's it's just so interesting to tailor the experience from the candidate perspective versus the employer's perspective has led to a lot of great outcomes. And ultimately, when the customer tells us who they're looking for, we take that a step further and screen accordingly. And so when once we do get this influx of talent, we can help do the screening at a far greater rate versus just having a resume and you know stepping through every candidate or whatever the case. I'd be curious, how deep are you going into the process? So it sounds like there's the talent attraction piece there's some involvement on screening. Are you doing the interviews? Are you delivering candidates who have already been interviewed and screened? Or where do you yeah, stop? Great question. So again, back to that like, you know, mentality of always asking why and going deeper. We initially started with just the screening and then built in the sourcing. And today where we're at on our platform, if you've never hired before, we'll take you through that whole process. We'll get you there, that candidate. We will screen them or pre-screen them to some extent. We'll look at their resume, again, in an automated setting. We'll ask them screening questions. And then we'll actually guide you on that right interview format. That's about where we are right now. In some cases, we'll even take that candidate into a post-hire experience, get them into your payroll system, et cetera. Okay. And so these are all different service levels that you offer? Actually, it's, 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 we, we found that in small business land, 
you know, versus having a complicated feature matrix, the best thing for us to do is actually to bundle everything in one package. So it's up to the customer and we'll guide them through it. And we really give them these best practices on a per job, per industry basis. So that, you know, as a great example, for certain roles, we, our product will by default recommend a phone screen. And we'll actually give you a phone screen script as an example. Mm, interesting. Okay. So you're also creating these reusable assets. So here's how you phone screen a real estate agent. Here's how you phone screen, maybe not how you think about it. But no, no, just- no. Actually, that's exactly how I think about it. And it, it, it sounds kind of daunting, but, you know, we look at the industries that we go after. And when we make a decision to enter, we're making a big investment. We're making a bet here on understanding the whole, you know, ontology of jobs, all the requirements, all the, uh, you know, nuances. And we make this deep investment once, but then we amortize it over thousands of hires, essentially. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I like that. And, you know, one, I, th- I think no one is going after specifically these segments at a high level, right? I, I think there's a lot of interest in developers right now. Healthcare is another segment that gets t- spoken about. Maybe trucking, retail, less on the this side. How is- did you... Oh, go ahead. Oh, as I say, small businesses are the most underinvested part of the ecosystem, without a doubt. And I think it often just comes back to the infrequency of how they hire. And we yeah. see that as actually a great opportunity. Yeah, that's interesting because there's been, I think, since the pandemic, an uptick in the amount of small businesses created. And then since you said that they're hiring an agent for the first time, I'm guessing that you are going after like micro businesses. There are, there's so many incredible tailwinds right now. There are more new businesses, there's more entrepreneurship. And the number one challenge that small businesses have is finding and retaining talent. And we see, you know, we, we, we constantly talk about how this is day one for us still. That, yeah, that's great. And I, mean, I think the other thing is the real estate market's done really well too, right? <laughs> so you've got more small businesses being created and you've got the real estate market pushing well, through. This, this actually gets to like our, our go-to-market and product strategy being very aligned, right? We have to make these deep investments. So actually as a team, very regularly, we look at you know, the macro environment, we look at the customer calls, and that's how we decide essentially which industries we're going to enter, such that we're always finding great growth opportunities. Yeah. So so going into that, why wouldn't you do healthcare? Like, what was the decision that you all made? You looked at it like, healthcare is not for us. And here's why. So, you know, this is a great question. We actually talk about this often in, our, in new orientations where, you know, think about healthcare. We actually geek out on the BLS codes and we'll say, okay, healthcare is actually 17 segments because mm-hmm. this, the experience that a dental office needs is dramatically different than a private psychiatry or a medical, you know, ma- major medical location or whatever the case. And so we really go so deep to understand, okay, what is the market? How well can we service them in every aspect of our business? You know, are there, you know, is, is this a candidate supply problem? Is this a, you know, screening problem? Is this a problem where they're not getting enough support. And we go through all of these conversations, look at hard data, and then we make the decision to go in. So to, to a larger question, there are segments of, of, of healthcare we're excited to tackle in the future. You, you, you did say dentist, know. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. But but I'm guessing like travel nurse is not something that you're necessarily, uh, or, or is it? Is travel nurse like on that roadmap? No, travel nurse is not on that roadmap today. <laughs> okay. Okay. Maybe. So I, I know there are a number of companies going after travel nurse. Yes. Already, right? It's a relatively crowded space. You all looked at it and said, no, no, thank you. At it's least for now. It's very much like no. you know, blue ocean strategy in the sense of let's find big markets, growing markets faster than the median, and you know, ones where our product can excel. 
And I think labor market challenges is one of those big things that we choose to appropriately you know, tackle. Okay, got it. So looking in the dynamics of real estate, are there enough real estate agents, too few real estate? Like, what, what's the supply and demand look like for real estate and mortgages? Is it dramatically different, actually? So today, I think there are actually more agents uh, in the market than there are actually like homes built for sale. Another interesting thing that we observed as we make these decisions, when we entered mortgage as an example at the in in, in March 2020, we make it, we, we took a bet there just based on what the macro environment was looking like. And some of these bets don't work out, but that one clearly did because that industry you know, ballooned in size. Actually, 30% of people had joined that industry versus what it looked like before. And now it's actually going through some sort of a deceleration. So it's, 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 it's so much fun for us to like get into these weighty, weighty macro kind of challenges. And, but, you know, obviously make decisions that are going to last for many, many years at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And so with the real estate agents, are you going after franchises? So it's decentralized hiring, I think like Keller Williams. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, what's really interesting is, uh, Think about that franchises are this business in a box that are, that are far more resilient than you know a mom and pop. We see incredible opportunities with franchises. There's another example where we work with franchises where when we entered accommodations, which we did last year in April, we actually partnered with the franchise. And we went so far as to actually take their operating manual and turn it into code. So if you are a choice hotel and you happen to be in Econolodge, we will have the Econolodge hiring experience right in our product. Again, going so deep mm. to deliver that experience that you know employers need and deserve, but also equally, you know, helping job seekers have a great experience versus the, what they would have otherwise. Okay, this is interesting. I think one of your comments earlier about sort of investing heavily in the segment, but then spreading it out over a longer period of time or a high set of customers and hires. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to make a, a small, simple, but probably incorrect analogy to say semiconductors. Huge <laughs> capex up front, very small marginal costs after you get it done. <laughs> we would love to be the TSMC of of a recruiting at some point. Recruiting, sure, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, what about going after employers? So it sounds like, at least as I understand it, there's a franchise element which makes maybe like you get into the franchise. It's then decentralized hiring, so you're able to work through that partnerships. Is that one of the primary approaches on the go-to-market side on the employer? Yeah. So we actually have several go-to-market levers. And I think all of them are deeply connected to this industry focus that we have. So we'll, we'll pick key verticals. We'll go into them. And at the end of the day, I think one thing that's often a big misconception of SMBs is that they're similar to like the B2B sales motion. We have a direct sales team. It's, it's a portion of our channel. But what's really interesting here is that I've found that these micro SMBs and SMBs are much more similar to honestly, like a B2C company. So we're doing everything from, you know, your basic demand gen efforts. A lot of our growth actually comes from word of mouth. And it's really around how do we activate someone and get that referral and earn it from them. We also have a channel program that works very similarly as well, where it's really leveraging trust from other, you know, trusted advisors of small businesses to earn that business. Got it. Okay. that That's interesting. On the, the talent, side. So it sounds like in real estate, you don't have an issue with sourcing. So then it really is probably more on the screening. Is that is that right? Yeah. So again, you know, all the markets that we choose to enter, primarily we aim for markets where sourcing is not the problem. And really, it's, it's that small businesses, you know, they may not by themselves know how to source well, and we'll up-level them there. 
But once you have enough candidates, we can begin to show so much more value in terms of the pace that you're able to interview at, the ways that you're able to screen, et cetera. Got it. So it, it, do you have sort of a North Star product metric that you optimize this towards? Yeah. <laughs> so we, we, we've got a few. A lot of them really come down to time to first interview. That right there captures so much because what our customers are really looking for, you know, they're very different from that HR buyer. The HR buyer is looking for that feature matrix and so many bells and whistles, whereas small businesses just needed that hire yesterday. And ultimately, the more we can do to get them one step closer to that, that's 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 exactly the whole game right there. It, but it, it must be a little bit deeper than that, right? Because otherwise, you wouldn't need your your candidate assessment. You would just throw it out and be like, okay, you had someone apply to your job, interview them right away. And so, that wouldn't be quite the right experience. So it, yeah, you're, you're very right to say that. So time to hire, t- time to interview is one. There's the qualitative metrics as well on the efficacy of how many people versus the interviews are actually getting hired as well. So we do have a litany of these KPIs. But it, it you know what in this market right now with the labor market challenges has driven customer success has been getting that first hire, that first interview in such that we can learn what worked, what didn't work. Let's adjust, let's adjust, let's adjust. Great question. Okay. When you're speaking with analysts or potential investors, how do you categorize yourself? This is a fun one. I, I, I say this because, you know, it is always for the analyst to describe the market. You know, we, we aim to, and we're actually at a really interesting inflection point right now where we raised our Series A, you know, about a year ago. And the framing that we've really, really aligned on is online recruiting service. Well, what's interesting is that we can say that as much as we want. It is on the analyst community to help you know, get, get us in that direction because really what we're doing is so differentiated. The best way that I've come to describe this is to say, you know, we can be placed in that ATS market, but focus on the fact that that ATS market is, 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 is focused on mid-market enterprise. What does ATS and SMB look like? Dramatically different. That customer base needs so much more. And thus we push for this online recruiting service category. But I, I think we're in the early days of forming it. What's interesting to me, and so this is really more of, I think, analyst and then probably most important on the fundraising side, but the category naming you choose impacts the multiples that you get, <laughs> yes. right? And so hearing you embrace the word service is interesting after, you know, it's been a few years since I was in the entrepreneurial game, but the word service would like cut your multiple from 10x to 2x when you're fundraising. <laughs> Has that changed? How have you thought about it? No, no, one hundred percent. This is a challenge that we've had to overcome, and and for us, it really you know now at the point that we're at, it's so much more of a data driven problem. You know, oftentimes I'm asked about, okay, so there's the word service. All right, I heard it. What's gross margins look like? And we'll actually dive into it and explain. Uh, okay. Yeah, so, so are you comfortable talking about gross margins? It's fine if you're not, because that was oh, one of my incredible. questions. Yeah, no, we, we, we run this business at with software scale gross margins. And really, it just comes down to this long, long journey that we've been on. You know, I highlighted the fact that we have a human in the loop. Our hiring coaches, they're the reason we are able to deliver incredible experiences. And they're able to do it at such scale because we've made seven plus years of deep investment in the technology stack to help them, you know, surface and work with so many more customers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a great competitive barrier, I would say. But but I am, you don't have to actually go into it, but I am curious, you know, gross margins in this industry can range from 15% on maybe more of the temp staffing to 60, 70% until you get into maybe like job advertising. 
And so what I typically see is maybe around 40 to 50% gross margins, whereas on SaaS, it's 75, 80%. Yeah, we, we have SaaS margins of 75 plus. Ooh, okay, well done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, when, when I get this reaction, I often, you know, and, and you, you said it so perfectly, right? This is a deep moat. I'm, I'm like, a, I'm a big fan of like Hamilton Helmer's work and seven, uh, seven powers. And there's this concept of, you know, just the, like, I think the example that he uses, like the Toyota production system, where, you know, Toyota itself cannot look and say, why does this thing work so well? And they can train, you know, GM at the Numi plant to like, you know, try to replicate it, but they just can't. Like, there is just this compounding advantage in terms of the deep, deep technology we've built, because, you know, we, we've, we've spent the discussion talking primarily about employers and job seekers, but we actually build products for multiple personas, one of them being our hiring coaches. Mm, mm-hmm. I- I've heard people investing in technology to improve the recruiter experience. Now, this is a little bit different, obviously, because yeah. it's more about the coach experience. Pulling that off, I think, is is difficult. And you're saying that you have done it. <laughs> I think uh, it requires a lot of patience and a recognition that you're going to have to rebuild and learn in real time. Because the thing is that as you scale at various you know, levels on this curve, there's just like so much reinvention necessary. Like what we looked like when we were servicing you know, 500 customers versus 2,000 customers is dramatically different. The amount of specialization, the amount of specialized tooling necessary, you know, we, we, we've gone down the path of saying, wow, could this be a, you know, a buy versus a build? And very often the answer is we have to build, we have to go deep, deep, deep. And I think it's exactly what the you know, recruiting automation folks are doing. But again, they're focusing on a, on, a, on a much more, you know, dramatically differentiated audience. But I think it's the same analogy. Okay. Do you think that because you have specialized so much, you're able to achieve success, whereas others who are going across a brighter set just have more difficulty with it? It's just like a more complex engineering challenge. I mean, I guess it's more more complex user experience challenge than probably an engineering <laughs> challenge. It's, you know, we, we now have gotten to the point where we're having to have discussions about like operations research and what is like the best methodology to, you know, uh, continue scaling in, 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 in this line. It almost does go back to like your, your, your joke about uh, TSMC and the, the, you know, the Intel fabrication process. Yeah. So it sounds like you all have a deep learning culture and a deep operational efficiency culture. Is that right? I, I think we're we're on the path, and I know we can always do better. I think every single person you'd ask would say we're we're so curious, but I think we are nonetheless humble to know that like we are just getting started. Okay, so so what you're <laughs> saying is like a large opportunity to scale out from massive. here. There's still a massive opportunity ahead of us. So does that mean you're looking? At, so you're going to stay? I would say with an SMB. It sounds like you have a lot of success on the SMB side. Is that right? You're not. Yeah, no, this, this is one that we, we actually talk about a lot internally. You know, it, it's, I think, really healthy for startups once you find product market fit to really remain focused. We have in the past and in, in our like earlier years explored the mid-market, explored enterprise. But for us, you know, the recognition is that like the team that can win and support those customers is dramatically different than who we are. And, you know, we've, we've, we've definitely, I think, I think, you know, if you're to, to put it lightly, the SMB market is tough. <laughs> it is a high velocity, you know, churn is often an issue, but we take all of these as, you know, opportunities more so than as challenges. Well, I mean, one of the reasons churn is an issue is that these businesses just go out of business at much higher rates. They, they go out of business. They aren't recruiting as often. And the ways you can overcome that are, 
really to, and, and this really gets to like the next chapter of WiseHire, but to really align yourself with employer and business success. You know, there's there's like a whole story I can share here, but, you know, we've now gone through this whole journey of recognizing for us to ultimately win, we have to help the business grow. That means starting with the right talent, but there's so many more opportunities thereafter. As I'm as I'm hearing you, I'm starting to picture sort of like what I imagine is a revenue curve. So there's small businesses, you have relatively high churn in comparison to, or at least the churn rates in small business are higher than the churn rates in mid-market and enterprise. You have some set of new customers coming online, but if you're going after small businesses who are hiring for their first employee, is there a point where you stop? Like if someone's hiring their 15th employee, does that do you consider that a good fit or no longer a good fit? So it's, it's an interesting question. It actually, for us, comes down often to when does the company hire their first HR person? You know, that is the real persona that we focus on where, you know, there is, you know, they're wearing many hats. I think as long as that's the case, we will continue to win because, you know, there's just so much that we can do for that person. The moment that that first HR person joins, you know, we'll, 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 we'll typically, you know, win those deals maybe 50% of the time. But in that point, you're in the mid-market. You're competing with the other ATSs. Got it. Okay. So you have a pretty well-defined market. You have these five or six verticals you're going after. You have a clear, ideal customer profile. So then I would wonder what the revenue growth looks like in terms of retention and the ability to build the top of pipeline to sort of keep that going. So from a marketing perspective, how do you keep filling that, that top of funnel? Yeah. So I, I, I think for anyone, you know, listening or anyone that's building uh, SMB focused SaaS, you know, the unit economics are super critical here. But the fact that it is such a larger market, you can in today's world, you know, acquire customers at a really efficient way. You have to get very creative. You have to focus in on, again, that jobs to be done mentality. But to, to like not dance around the, the question, but to like really be upfront, Jay, like, SMB churn is hard. We're actually having to have very interesting conversations about secondary and tertiary products that really can bridge you into a world where the churn is not something you're concerned about and that it is a truly, you know, you know, to, to get into like the analyst investor parlance, a hundred percent plus net dollar retention business. That's what you're all targeting is a hundred percent NRR. Yes, it is doable. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So I think there are about 30 million small businesses in the US, maybe yep. give or take. Okay. We so, focus so there are... on the sweet spot of 5 million that are less than 100 people and have more than three people. Okay. Really well defined. I, I mean, that's that's fantastic. I have to imagine that having that targeting really helps because then they're also going to be in certain verticals yes. as well. And so then it, it's probably not... I should say this. I'm, I'm coming from an Indeed side. And I'm like, oh, okay. It's probably not too expensive to talk to all of them. I, I guess it's obviously probably different. <laughs> For you, that is always the case. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think we could do that. No big deal. <laughs> it, it's obviously different. How do you prioritize the efforts? You like have some type of channels that are probably always going evergreen, You know, outbound Salesforce. I, I'm guessing there must be some type of episodic events as well. It has to play a part into this in some way. Yeah, so so there is some seasonality here in, in terms of how you focus the industry, focus the subsector that you're focusing on. And there too, we've started to, I think, build really good machinery here where, you know, we actually 
look at the calendar. We look at the time of year. We, we know which markets are going to be growing and expanding because real estate's getting ready for that summer boom or hospitality is now dying down for the winter. So we can, we can actually time our recruiting accordingly but our, or our acquisition of customers accordingly to the recruiting season. There are some programs that do always work, but what's really interesting here is you know, today we consider about 50 plus percent of our um, growth to be organic. And organic, not just purely in the sense of like word of mouth. We have several other drivers like referrals, but you know, there's a big product-led growth element to this business where if we can help you in that moment in time where you were struggling and needed someone, and we can really, really deliver a great service, we will win you as a customer for life, but we'll also earn your friend's business. And entrepreneurs, those that we focus, are deeply connected. They seek out communities and growing within those communities has been very high leverage for us. Got it. So, so these brokers, after they have a good experience, or these insurance agents, yes, they go and they will like tell their other, you know, network of brokers, like, hey, I had a great experience with this. You, you know, in a world where everyone is going that, you know, to the happy hour, that would be the topic, which is like, oh my god, let me tell you about this hire that I just made. How did you make that hire? Oh, wise hire. Yeah. So, so does that have you found ways around that in sort of the Zoom environment, or are you targeting areas that? Or maybe less COVID restricted, so that you get more of this. No, no, no. So, so you know, like I think those conversations still happen. They are happening in online Facebook groups and LinkedIn communities and WhatsApp groups. Like we find those pockets, and I think what's really interesting to maybe like overstate here is, you know, yes, we're focusing on SMBs, but I, I think EJ, we've you and I've talked about our pricing. You know, we are a little bit more of a premium service, and so we are actually getting customers that are very growth oriented. They're all seeking out growth oriented, you know, peers. And, and thus are very, very open to share how they're well, I mean, And to a certain extent, at least some of these areas are revenue drivers, right? So if you're insurance yes. or, or real estate, you're not going to grow without people. You know, it, it goes back to like the top of the question about like soft skills and, you know, where that is being most discerned to be a value uh, add in terms of the screening process. And it is often in the sales part of the business, you know. I think 50 plus percent of the jobs that we help source and screen and, and ultimately hire for are some derivation of a sales job, whether it's as a you know buyer's agent in real estate or as an insurance broker or as a mortgage broker or whatever the case. Interesting. Interesting. Cool. Uh, are there any areas that you sort of like went in with high conviction and you're like, nope, I was completely wrong about that, <laughs> that, that you feel comfortable talking about? Yeah, no, totally, totally. Um, there are industries where, if you think about like our decision process that's aligned on growing industries, talent is available, screening is important. There's a whole other aspect that we found actually, this would have been maybe late 2019, early 2020. Legal is a good example. We grow quite a bit in legal through word of mouth, through our channel program, but certain programs will not work well because the, the business owner, in this case, the lawyer that really needed to hire a paralegal like three weeks ago is so busy that they're not even spending the time online for you know our demand gen to work, or they're not going to pick up a phone call when like the direct sales effort is being made. So I think gatekeepers in certain industries are a very interesting thing these days. And I think for anyone like you know thinking about more broadly how they approach go to market, you know thinking about that whole buying journey and who is part of it, super important to take into consideration. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. I didn't think about the the gatekeeper, but obviously extremely important and probably going to be more prevalent in certain places than others. I'm guessing the broker wants to take your call directly most of the time. The broker is answering your call every time because it's also going to be like a sales lead for them possibly. So yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm curious, what, what are some of the milestones or things that you're thinking about next going forward? So obviously there's new entrants and new verticals. 
I'm assuming there's product development. What else are you all thinking about? Yeah, I mean, I, I alluded to this a little bit before, but we are, I think, in day one of this journey. And I think the biggest thing that's actually surprised me, and this will look very different from core recruiting, but you know, I mentioned that we win when we align ourselves with the small business growing fundamentally. And I, 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 think, I think I might have shared this story before, but my eyes are constantly opening up to new opportunities that our customers are bringing to us. You know, when we solve this incredibly, you know, complex and, and, and challenging problem for customers, which is their first hire, we're earning their trust. And I'll, I'll give you a really good example, like when this like really dawned on me. I honestly, the first few months of the pandemic, March and April, 2020, um, we were a bootstrap company at that time. Obviously, small businesses were pausing their hiring. We were, you know, rapidly trying to support customers. At the same time, you know, nights and weekends, I'm spending it trying to figure out what we're going to do. I'm reading the CARES Act. I'm trying to apply for a PPP loan. Mm-hmm. And then during the day, I'm talking to customers and we recognize, wow, these, these businesses had so much anxiety in that moment. We went so far as to provide education, mm-hmm. go so far as to actually include a PPP loan program right within our product. That's not within our mission mm-hmm. and vision of helping yeah. small businesses hire and, and, and find great talent, right? But what really just impressed me was that these customers were seeking advice from us because they they regarded us as a trusted advisor. And so the next chapter in WiseHire, and what I think is like the next decade of our work here, is really to take this, this trust that is you know, imbued in us and really to just keep leveraging it to help these businesses grow. And we're doing some of this in the open. You know, we I think this would have been about a year ago. We actually at the same time that we were reading the CARES Act, we found a 25-year-old tax credit <laughs> that you know sounds super geeky. It's something that again fits within the ethos of this business of always finding the ways that Fortune 500s operate and learn and grow and bringing it down to Main Street. And so the example here is there's this 25-year-old tax credit. It actually rewards companies when they hire someone that was previously unemployed and gives them cash that they could put to work. What a time when there were millions of people that were unemployed. We were helping fill roles. We were screening people for these tax credits and actually built a marketplace of accountants and small businesses that wouldn't have met otherwise. And so our mind is very much focused on, obviously, we have to continue executing and and winning and recruiting. But there are, I think, great opportunities for us to keep appraising customers of how best to operate their business and just keep finding win-win-win opportunities for them. And I I think it's going to look very, very different five years out where we can support with all the... I mean, there's just incredible questions that they already ask us. Like, how do I do a job offer? Can I, how do I pay someone? Like it's, uh, it's, it's so much fun. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's interesting to me, like it's clear that you all are very agile. So one, I'm curious as you grow, how do you think about staying agile? And then, you know, you've also been pretty focused. Like how do you think about focus versus experimentation as well? Yeah. I, so, I think they all kind of go together, but it's like, as you grow, it'll just become more challenging to maintain or do some of these things. No, so you know the the vision as we as we talk about it internally is a core recruiting product that has to be world class, has to deliver this personalized experience. But another group actually, because I, I think we're big believers that no one person should have you know competing goals. Um, running these experiments into opportunities so how we can help companies grow has to be done by a separate group. And so, you know, we're now at that point where we're hiring and building out the team. And this is exactly what we're planning to do, which is to have a dedicated focus of another small group of people 
on these expansionary opportunities where customers are asking us of, of, of services, of partnerships, and we can find and deliver those. That, that's great. Uh, that's great that you're able to bring that in at an earlier stage of the business. I think that's crucial. We, like You all are sort of like getting this tailwind of real estate, you know, micro SMB expansion, and then sort of hiring. At the same time, it, you're clearly thinking about what might be the next thing in three to five years as well, right? We, we joke a lot, but I, I'm always serious that this is a you know multi-decade job for us. I mean, there are customers that we helped with their first hire like seven years ago that today run a 100-person company. They had no idea in their wildest dreams that they'd be able to do that. And when they have challenges, we're often their first or second call. And that's incredible. And, and yeah, uh, that's we have to keep earning that trust and we have to keep supporting them. But the questions they ask us are always causing us to pause and reflect and learn and you know come back with an answer. And that, that's really what's driving this uh, effort in the future. That is fantastic. Are they reaching out to you and Nick? Or are they reaching out to the product and the community? No, it's such a great question. So obviously, you know, you know, this, uh, we were a bootstrap company in the early years. So the first thousand or so customers actually sometimes will have my cell phone and will call. But nonetheless, we do see that trend where they'll follow up with our coaches. They'll say, hey, you know, I'm about to do, you know, how do I run a background check? Is this, is this offer letter that I found on Google okay for me to use? You know, there are, they're continuing to have this great experience in our recruiting process have trust throughout our ecosystem with all of our coaches, with our product. And whenever possible, they're just reaching out and needing more, which is just uh, you know delightful for us to see and just keeps inspiring us. Yeah. And that is amazing. And now I'm sort of wondering, have you cracked the cultural code? Because it's so difficult to scale a business while also maintaining, I think, the the core culture that the founders have. <laughs> like, how do you think of, like, how have you managed to do that? I, intentionality, I think, is the most important thing here. And I, I think the other as- aspect of this is, you know, being super, super focused on it early on was something that, I, you know, every, everyone reads it and sees it. They're like, hey, you, you need to spend the time on defining your culture. But as you scale, those principles that you define are so critical. We, we just now are actually going through the exercise of re-clarifying aspects. You know, where is there ambiguity? Let's let's make it clear. and. As you get to the world where, you know, today we're we're now, you know, I think something like 20 people are joining a month on WiseHire. And that written culture, the principles that we put out there, you know, we focus on making sure that on day one, week one, any person that joins can answer the question, like, what do we do? Why do we exist? What what drives us? And that's all we need you to know in, in week one, right? Can you explain to grandma, like, what is WiseHire? If you know those things, and, and it's like super, super simple, and that's like what drives all decisions, I think you can really set yourself up to scale and be successful. But I think it's uh, it, it requires so much intentionality, for sure. I mean, it's definitely time consuming. You're like, you have to make the commitment on it. Do you use WiseHire to help screen for those soft Soft personality skills. We do, and every single hire happens on WiseHire, actually. It's incredible. (laughs) Okay, that's great. That's wonderful to get that dog fooding so early as well. That's great. Well, Nick, this has been... Oh, sorry. Sorry, Sid. Sid! (laughs) Uh, This has been great. This has been a really interesting and exciting conversation. I really appreciate it, and thank you so much for the time, and thanks for diving down into WiseHire and a lot of what you all clearly have going on, and it sounds like something special. Thoroughly enjoy the conversation always, EJ. A pleasure. Thank you, man. Thank mm-hmm. you.